Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News show. It's all eyes on Europe as PSG take on Borussia Dortmund this Tuesday off the back of a scare in Amiens. Jonathan Johnson is here to talk with us about all things Paris ahead of that match. Meanwhile, Marseille take a step closer to seeing the deal for Champions League football next season, while most competitors drop points. It's an exciting week. I'm your host, Pierre-Paul Birmingham. With me today, Mohamed Ali. Hi, Mo. Hello. Philippe Bargel is here too. Hi, good evening. And joining us this week is ESPN Liga and PSG correspondent Jonathan Johnson. Hi, John. Hey there, how's it going? Good, and you? Very well, thank you. Right then, um, let's begin right away with what was supposed to be a routine match. We probably weren't even going to talk about it that much, but it ended with a 4-4 draw after Amiens, 19th in Ligue 1, went up 3-0 against PSG. Uh, Jonathan, you know, is there any reason, how, how does this impact the game against Dortmund? What are the reassurances or not after that dramatic match? I mean, I think there were some positives. I mean, you look at the way that they fought back from three goals down, went 4-3 up and obviously shipped the late goal, which which meant that it finished level. I mean, I don't think it's as much of a disaster as some people might make out when you consider that it was a draw at the end of the day. It wasn't a defeat. Um, and I also think that, to be honest, a bit of an underwhelming performance should have been expected, even if considering, uh, you know, Amiens' form and, and league position, you know, a, a win with a weakened side, uh, you know, was well within uh, you know the realms of possibility even with a you know with with many regular starters missing from that that PSG starting 11 so you know i don't i don't think that there needs to be you know too many things read into that before before this Dortmund match i think if anything it's more worrying some of the stuff that was said after it um you know Thiago Silva came out afterwards and said um you know the mentality will be much different in Dortmund next week uh, you know, how many times have we heard that in the past? Uh, you know, and that almost suggests that nothing's really been learned from the last couple of years and the setbacks uh, that PSG have faced. So it's, uh, I'd say that, you know, some of that sort of stuff is more concerning than actually what happened on the pitch, because at the end of the day, you know, Amiens played well uh, in, you know, in, in large swathes of the game. Uh, you know, everybody's always known that, you know, Gael Kakuta has or had the potential to be a very, very good player. And it just happened to be one of those days where everything clicked for him. And, you know, he showed or he reminded people, you know, exactly why he was, uh, you know, so talked about in uh, in his very early days as a professional. So that Thiago Silva quote is quite interesting, given Philippe that he was one of the worst players on the pitch against Amiens as well. Um, yeah, it was... Um... Well, I, I would, I would uh, agree uh, to some extent because what happened on the pitch was pretty, was pretty bad uh, to to me, um, considering the considering the, the formation and uh, how uh, how resolute Amiens were, and uh, the fact that uh, I would say 50% of our of our goals, uh, even even more even, uh, came from set pieces, and had Amiens uh, known how to defend set pieces, we would have lost a game just before Dortmund, which probably is, wouldn't have been such a bad thing after all, because uh, we usually are that kind of a kick up to the backside kind of kind of club. Um, but of course, Thiago Silva is going to say that. He's going to say, yeah, we weren't we weren't at the races, we weren't this, we weren't that. 
uh, and uh, he was basically saying it's it's only Amiens, which is really de degrading for for Amiens, even uh, even though they are in the bottom three. Um, but uh, yes, uh, things are still uh, quite uh, quite worrying, you know, from uh, my end in terms of in terms of the formation, in terms of um, uh, the defense being uh, um, protected by the midfield, just like against Lyon. Uh, it's still, to, to me, it's still quite worrying what we saw on on the pitch because players are players that play in a certain type of formation. The formation we've been playing since November, since the uh, very very boring game against Nantes. And um, it's, I mean, unless you know uh, something massive happens tomorrow, it's a formation we're going to play tomorrow evening. So it's still to, to to me what happened on the pitch is still quite it's still quite worrying. But I mean I, th I also think you need to bear in mind how many forces uh, sorry how many changes Tuchel's kind of being forced to make at the moment with the injuries uh, mm -hmm. to defensive players you know Silva's uh, you know not been available for the the best part of the last few weeks. Uh, same with Marquinhos and obviously uh, Diallo's injury came at a bad time. I mean I guess if there's some silver lining in there to come out of all of this, it's uh, you know the emergence of uh, Tongi Kuesi, you know who's who's getting a lot of uh, of senior minutes at the moment, which is, which is great in terms of trying to persuade him to sign. Uh, professional terms uh, you know but it's also great for his development because he's one of the you know the the brightest young prospects coming out of the youth academy uh, and PSG are trying to show him uh, that you know there is uh, a future for him in the in the first team picture if he does end up putting pen to paper so it's I mean I can, I can understand why they why there would be some concern over the defense and potentially in the midfield because we know you know Tuchel likes to use Marquinhos as a as a makeshift defensive midfielder who sort of steps in and out of defense in these big Champions League matches uh but it's I mean, at the at the end of the day, I think it's this match was always going to boil down to the to the two attacks. Everyone's known that PSG have weaknesses in defense that can be exposed. Um, you know, I think people were more focused on the on on the the two fullback positions coming into the Dortmund match, and now have a few more concerns over the over the central defensive positions as well. After uh, you know leaking those goals uh, away at Amiens, but I, I still think it's the defence is not necessarily going to be where this match or this tie gets decided over the two legs. No, I completely agree. It's to, to me, it's going to be in midfield. But uh, what's been worrying me is actually how uh, badly the defence is protected by the midfield. And the midfield, it's um, I don't I don't really know what the formation is going to be. Um, but uh, pretty sure Gay and Virati will be will be in there. And to me, they're not protecting the defence. Well enough, and it doesn't. To me, it doesn't really matter if you have the Kimpembe, the Quasi, Tego Silvos, or Marquinhos. If you're not protected, you're not protected. And when when you see the Sancho, the Royce, the Brandt, uh, and of course Haaland uh, running at you, this is what this is what worries me basically. And uh, it doesn't really matter if if there's uh, three Dortmund players running uh, at your two, two centre halves. There's going to be trouble, and we need to we need to respond to that. And the worst part is we didn't really respond on. On Saturday, we it's just that we scored from set pieces. That's all we did basically. And also Cavani did miss that uh, that winning goal. Um, uh, at uh, we were forced, we, yeah, we were forced three up. He missed, he missed a very good chance, and then Giovanni mm -hmm. scores the equaliser. 
so Mo, do you do you agree with that assessment that the midfield is kind of a more key um, stake in tomorrow's match and more uncertainty around there, I guess, than whoever is picked in defense? Um, yeah, well, to an extent, yeah, I think it would be more important than the defense in that you know, it would be the midfield that control the game. I find that Dortmund's midfield has been a little bit light and a bit over on if you look at the game um that they played recently against Leverkusen and um how sort of put to the wayside the, the midfield was um the midfield battle would be very very key particularly given the turnover in play that Paris Saint-Germain will obviously try to try to produce um and putting their attackers on the front but I think personally I feel that tomorrow's match will be particularly goal laden um because of the fact you know that you know PSG are away from home they've got the firepower um obviously with Neymar coming back um to to beat uh Dortmund and then have a somewhat uh easier second leg to look forward to um and they've not been short of goals as we saw on on Saturday and last week that they can score goals at when so you know the the attacking mindset of the two midfielders that they 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 put in, assuming they do go four four two four ish, um, will be quite important. And I think um, they will be the focal point of the team. I personally um, would rather, and if they if they were to win or like if they have an attacking mindset, for them to put Verratti and Gay rather than Marquinhos um, up in the midfield. I don't know how likely that is. Hmm. Interesting. And and guys, I mean, I have to say I haven't watched much of Dortmund, but from what I understand, they seem to have a similar problem as PSG in that they have a very powerful uh, attacking force, but concede a lot of goals, have conceded a lot of goals recently and, uh, you know, have a slightly weakened defense. Um, I, I don't know if anyone has seen them play in the last few weeks. Um I saw the Leverkusen game that I just referenced to. Um, mm-hmm. I think we can we can perhaps Which sort of put to bed was a four three win for, for exactly, Leverkusen. Exactly, yeah. Well yeah. it was a moment of madness where um they sort of lost the game um in the last ten minutes, uh, Bailey and Mendes scoring um in successive minutes. But it was a very, very tough game. Um and they relied on Emre Chan, who scored a beautiful goal and and uh, Matt Hummels to get them uh, you know back into the game in the first half um but they they have a tendency to lose games um or to lose control of matches in in particular moments um but i wouldn't read too much into it purely because they've you know they've been relatively okay before that i mean they've they've been a little bit jackal and hide you know for one game they do really well it's, they beat into milan and then and then you know draw against the lowly size and then you got you know, the same again uh, recently, having lost to Leverkusen in what was a very, very good game, um, could have closed the gap at the top, and then absolutely destroyed Frankfurt, who were obviously a very decent side, um, and they were very, very good value for Liverpool. They can turn it on and off, as can PSG. The fact will be, you know, the, the team that will go through with is is a team that not only takes their chances, but the team that can limit. Um, how much success the other sides attack has? Whose defender, whose defense will be stronger in the day? Didn't mm. Emre Chan uh, suffered a knock in that game and uh, didn't play well towards the end of the game and costing mm. his team yeah. several goals. 
Um, I think I saw that he should be okay for the match tomorrow. Uh, unlike someone else, I'm just trying to find my notes again here. I um, think uh, from the top of my head, Royce and uh, Brandt are both out. Yeah. Yes, that's well, it. Very good news. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, someone who will be there is Erling Braut Holland. Uh, how do you deal with uh, someone who's in that kind of scoring form? I mean, I think in theory, when you come up against a scoring sensation that young, you'd expect your most experienced players, uh, you know, to be able to to shackle them. And so, you know, mm-hmm. all eyes should be on the likes of Thiago Silva, Marquinhos as well, assuming that Marquinhos plays in defence. I mean, I think given the nature of um, sort of the, the, the state of match fitness with all of the players, it's very interesting. It will be very interesting to see how Tuchel goes. Uh, I mean, President Kimpembe was was speaking with the press alongside Tuchel earlier, and you know that sort of suggests that he's going to play some part. And if he does, he does play. You know, he's he's arguably probably the the player who was most at risk of missing out, uh, given that he he didn't make the trip to Amiens. Uh, so if he's playing, you'd assume that he's going to be playing alongside Thiago Silva, which means that Marquinhos probably will be uh, in the midfield. So, uh, you know, I, I I think Silva is going to be key in this, uh, not only because he's the captain, uh, but also because he's not in his best shape at the moment and is coming off an absolute stinker of a match away at Amiens. Uh, you know, so Haaland, you know, who is you know brimming with confidence at the moment, as you'd expect from someone who, you know, is pretty much scoring every time he touches the ball inside the box at the moment. Uh, you know, I, th- I think it's up to, to Silva to sort of, you know, remind him that he still has uh, a, a lot to learn in the game. Mm-hmm. What worries me is that I've been watching Dortmund quite a lot in the first half of the, of the Bundesliga. Uh, didn't quite catch them since the Bundesliga resumed a couple of weeks ago. And uh, it was always a, a 4-2-3-1 under Fab, and he was playing a false 10 a false nine, sorry, as a centre forward because he didn't, for some reason, didn't like Paco Alcacer, who's been who's been sold or loaned or something something like that. So he played uh, either Royce as a false nine or Goetz as a false nine, even Brandt as a as a false nine, uh, switching to three four two one and doing basically whatever he could, but play a centre forward uh, as a centre forward. And now he's got that, and now the team is uh, the team is is, uh, is really clicking. It's going really really fast and. Uh, and uh, and Harlan obviously knows knows where the goal is, and that's this is basically key. It's almost it's it's almost like this new signing has uh, has uh, rejuvenated the side mm-hmm. and, and basically made them better uh, um, from from open play because Dortmund from open play weren't that good back in 2019, but this is this year since they've got that centre forward, everything clicks, and that's the main worry. Me. I mean, I mean, car cast our minds back. There was a period just a couple of months ago where there was speculation as to whether Favre would even be in charge of Dortmund to come yeah. the clashes was, with PSG. I mean, he was almost sacked at, at one point. Yeah, he, it was yeah. very close. Um, how do you think he's turned it around? Because um, we have a very good image of, of Favre in France and his time at, at Nice, for example. Um, mm. But um, do we know if he's if he's less in the firing line at the moment or? Yeah, I would think. I mean, the, the mm-hmm. team is playing is playing better, and uh, he's yeah. playing his players in his in their correct position. So I would think he's he's uh, he's less undefined now than he was in in uh, in 2019. Uh, even you know, I mean, 
they're not they're not that far from 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 top spot, are they? Dortmund. Uh, they top are one point points. behind. Yeah. yeah, four points behind Bayern. And oh, Bayern four points. Have, my bad. Yeah. And Bayern have found found form and have a, a major uh, a big uh, um, uh, advantage in uh, in goal difference. Uh, but yeah, I would I would think that uh, everything's going quite uh, quite smoothly. I mean, yes, they did lose uh, at uh, at Leverkusen, but so far it's been uh, it's been very very goal happy for for Dortmund, and it mm-hmm. seems like it's come at at uh, perfectly the uh, the right time. Yeah, they won four 0 on Friday against Frankfurt. Uh, one of the goal scorers was another familiar face in in Rafael Guerrero, who's a yeah. former Caen and, and, and Lorient left back. They also have uh, Dan Axel Zagadou, formerly of PSG. So, uh, and he seems to be a starter at the moment. Um, so it'll be a reunion for him as well. Uh, there's another question which we have not touched on, even though it was uh, quite a large subject of conversation for the past week. Is Neymar ready? Is he fit for this match? He hasn't played since the 1st of February. I mean, I think you have to... I I, th- I think he'll be surprisingly fit because mm-hmm. we know that for a week or so, he's been training with yeah. his teammates. It's just that Tuchel has decided... He, I mean, in fact, Tuchel even said, I think it was the pre-match press conference ahead of the trip to Amiens, he's better protected in training than he is in matches. So basically, Tuchel was wrapping him in cotton wool ever since that knock against Montpellier. The, the thing that really is kind of bizarre in all of this is that Neymar picked up the injury towards the end of the first half against Montpellier. So why did he finish their match? Uh, you know, could have avoided all of the Ferrari surrounding Mbappe with the the substitution if Neymar had been brought off during the game, which, you know, had already been won. Uh, and, you know, probably would have lessened the chances of him aggravating that injury as well. So all very bizarre. But in any case, uh, Tuchel has succeeded in, uh, you know, keeping him... Uh, ready and available to play in this uh, in this match on Tuesday so you'd assume that you know Neymar will be primed and would have done a lot of fitness work to be ready to play uh, you know at least an hour if not more I mean maybe it could be one of those injuries where you know when you take a pretty big hit and it hurts more when you wake up the next morning I mean the, the name of the injury was a bit of an obscure thing which no one ever ever heard of so I don't know the specifics but um yeah, sometimes players do kind of go through the pain till the end of the match, um, and and it's not so bad. Um, so, I mean, I think we can bring it around to kind of your your closing thoughts on on this match specifically and your predictions, uh, and and then we we'll move on to a, a kind of well a different discussion about about PSG. Um, but uh, Mo, I'll start with you. Who do, who do you think will come out? the better of this first leg? Um, it's difficult because because of what's going on in the last two weeks, neither side have will enter this game in the, in sort of the best uh, bits of preparation. You know, mm-hmm. Dortmund, of course, they did really well um, on, on, on Friday night, but the last two, three weeks have highlighted how perhaps defensively frail that they can be. Um, and Paris Saint-Germain, you know, on the field, especially, you know, they, they're scoring a bucket load of goals. Um, they should have Neymar back, everything as well. But but you never really know how they'll turn up in the Champions League, you know. Um, 
you know, at this stage, you know, they, they suffer from perhaps stage fright and in the words of Leonardo, which we discussed in last week's podcast and and the idea that, you know, the spotlight will shine very, very heavily on them tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you just never know. I find it a really difficult game to predict. Um, but obviously taking off my, um, you know, commentator hat off and putting my Marseille hat on, <laughs> I'm going 3 0 Dortmund. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow all right um P- philippe have you got your psg hat or your commentator hat on for this one uh neither or those i don't know okay. <laughs> it's gonna be goal it's gonna be goal happy i just cannot see uh one side not scoring i'm gonna go with two two mm-hmm. i was John? gonna go with four four but you know that was before saturday <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. I was uh, I was also thinking along the same lines of a score draw. I mean, I think the one thing that's going to be really key for PSG going into this match is seeing how they deal with uh, that atmosphere at Westfalen Stadion. I mean, it's one of the big reasons why I'm going to the why I'm going to the match uh, because you know I want to see the the yellow wall in full flow. Everybody knows that it's one of the most atmospheric stadiums in Europe. Uh, and, you know, PSG have reason to be intimidated given their recent history in the Champions League. Uh, so I'm, I'm very keen to see how the, the team that Tuchel sends out onto the pitch, uh, you know, sort of deals with the, the, the sense of occasion, the atmosphere that, that's created there on the night. Um, I'm sort of along similar lines to, to Philippe, and I, I'm going to say... Uh, it's it's going to be a reasonably high scoring draw. I might go I might go one further and say three three in in the hope of a, of a crazy high scoring game. <laughs> you um, may not hear the PSG away fans as you know uh, clearly as you did at Old Trafford. It could be very very different. That's true. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so guys, I, I wanted to bring up an, uh, another subject. Of conversation about PSG. Uh, last week during that interview we mentioned uh, with with Leonardo, one of the things he said was that a lot of people want Paris to fail. Now he seemed to kind of uh, point at part of the media or the press, um, which I don't know if he was right to do that, but I do think there is a part of the population in France who takes pleasure in in, in in PSG losing and not just Marseille fans, uh, Mo. But um, I wanted to get you, your thoughts on what it is that irks a lot of French people about PSG. And, you know, we we know that if they lose to Dortmund, they will be mocked by a lot of people. Do, do we have any idea of the kind of order of magnitude? Is, is there more people for Paris or against Paris in in France for for a match like this? Um, I think um, I think I think the easiest way to explain it and and Mm. there's there's no need to delve into sort of Marseille because obviously it's very clear um, why they obviously would want to see obviously trying to maintain the Champions League sort of record which is really the only USP these days for Marseille Um, (laughs) so you know that 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 aside um, a lot of people just don't like Paris, I think, um, and it's it's got something to do with with their success. It's got something to do with, you know, just how developed the brand has become and how, you know, too big they are essentially for for Liga. 
um, the the clubs themselves, the cl- you know, the clubs themselves do want Paris to go as far as possible. That there, there is a there is a small but vocal uh, minority that do defend Paris as they do with Lyon, as they do with Marseille in Europe because mm-hmm. of national pride, because of the coefficient, etc., etc. And and essentially, you know, the more that Paris does, there will be a knock-on effect for for the league's profile and then the TV revenues and so on and so forth. So you do see on on major European nights, especially when qualification is online, many clubs, um, you know, do do um, send out a message of support to, to Paris. Um, but then again, still many don't don't like them because of just because of how how much they've developed essentially. And I think you know it is it, it's very difficult to say. Um, I, I agree completely yeah. with what you're saying, but what I'm wondering as well is why does Leonardo I mean, why doesn't he just let it be? Why does he have to come out and say this? Because because they need to be liked as well, essentially. I think they they have a, a desire to be liked. Then you know, PSG mm-hmm. on paper are so successful in the fact that they the Qataris could leave tomorrow and they will still have the revenues locked in, uh, more or less. But they've got the world's most expensive player. That they've got a burgeoning brand. You know, everyone's wearing. Paris Saint-Germain clothes, etc. They've got you know Mbappe, they've got Neymar, they've got all of this, and yet they don't really have anything you know anything tangible in that they haven't won the Champions League, they haven't gone further. People don't really see them as a super club yet. Um, mm. And if you're not liked at home at the beginning, how can you be expected to be liked elsewhere? And the Champions League is obviously a great example of that. In that you know their embarrassments over the last couple of years. Um, has sort of also inadvertently added to the idea of you know Ligue 1 being um, a league of lesser quality than the rest because of the all-conquering side can't even beat X, well, you know can't even beat mm-hmm. a, a very very poor Manchester United side etc. It was it didn't used to be the case four years ago because you know, under Laurent Blanc Paris Saint Germain did amazing in Europe they were very very unlucky and people saw that they were on the tip of something special only going out to away goals against much more established sides. Now that five-year plan has gone out the window, the, you know, the, the bar has been set lower and lower, and, and, you know, Paris are spending more and more, and people are now just a bit tired, especially domestically. People are tired, because you never saw this with Lyon and Marseille when they went further in Europa League. You know, the, obviously, rivals aside, the vast majority of France did get behind uh, those clubs. And the same will happen, you'll see, I think, when PSG eventually do break that block um, and actually get some tangible success and and use, you know, the, what they have at their disposal to beat the big sides and Dortmund, if they do if they do qualify against Dortmund, it's not going to be a major surprise. But it'll be a it'll be a you know good first step. Mm-hmm. Once they break th- that barrier, then then we'll see. I, th- I think what Leonardo is really trying to get at was the it's almost like this fatalistic. Um, attitude or nature of the of the, of the of the French press, the local press, uh, because it's it's almost like they're pre-preparing for the defeat. It, it, it's like the the focus was on the, the focus has been on Dortmund basically since the beginning of the year. Yet PSG have had games every three days. I mean, we all know how crazy the domestic cup um, schedule is uh, in the first couple of months of each year. Uh, and, you know, this year has been, uh, you know, been no different. And I think, you know, Leonardo is, is just sort of railing against that, you know, people, it's almost like a large 
sections of the media would rather focus on building up, uh, you know, to a potential fall or success against Dortmund uh, than, you know, looking at what PSG are sort of doing on a on a on a day to day basis when they're going up against, uh, you know, teams in the be it the Coupe de la Ligue, Coupe de France, or in Ligue 1. Uh, you know, and I think that's that's what he was you know, trying to to sort of rail against because at the at the time when he came out, you know, it was it was just after a bit it was just after a big game or a reasonably big game. Mm. Guess you could guess you could argue that it didn't have the same in importance this season considering how far behind Lyon are. But still, you know, PSG Lyon at Parc des Princes is a you know is a big fixture, a big draw. Yet all the talk pretty much pre-match and and post-match was on Dortmund, which you know still was a couple of weeks and a couple of matches away. What really I didn't, uh, what was quite odd about this whole thing is that Leonardo comes out after the PSG Lyon game. We, we play fine, but then we defend poorly for uh, 15 minutes. Can see two goals, which again, we're winning, even though, you know, it was Kimpembe in defence. So I said, oh, people are going to say, well, you know, what do you expect? It's Kimpembe. Uh, Leonardo comes out. He says, uh, stop, stop uh, being completely. Uh, uh, obsessed with this uh, first knockout stage tie uh, with the first leg and the second leg etc etc and then uh, on Saturday we played Amiens we played terribly for the uh, most of the game and the campus commentators are basically uh, sucking us up I mean really some serious arsenicking <laughs> went, went on in, oh, in, <laughs> in, in that first half from, from Nando and from the other guy, I said, yeah, you can see the players, you know, the intensity is much better than the intensity, but no, the intensity was was, was, was rubbish. And I don't know if if Canab, who is that sort of media company where Leonardo says, uh, you know, stop, stop, uh, stop being naughty with us and, and please please be nice to us and they'll be nice to, to, to them. So that's, that's the first part. I have no idea if Canab is that, that kind of company. I don't really, don't really care. What I do, what I... What I can uh, say with some kind of matter-of-fact kind of stuff is that L'Equipe A uh, would really not have the same, uh, shall we say, uh, uh, the headline yeah. as they would for another for another club like Lyon or Marseille. I mean, they did they did post uh, an article a couple of days ago, uh, yeah. which is basically saying you've got 72 hours to do something about about the first leg. Which is completely, I mean, which, which just, which is just not true. I mean, we have a plan. It's just not very good, but it's we do have a plan, and and Liquid would never. I, I don't know. I just can't see. I'm not. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I understand that. I just can't see Liquid doing that for Marseille or Lyon or Guingamp. There's a difference because they don't have the same Champions League past as PSG does in, in the last few years. So obviously, you're going to look and approach those matches differently. But I do agree that. I think it's probably just because because it's what everyone's talking about. And, I mean, they just produce so much about PSG and the Champions League at this time of the year that, you know, I can expect that, yeah, some some of the articles might be kind of um, a little forced or a little bit, you know, m- maybe not the, the greatest idea, such as the one um, you just quoted. Um, I thought you guys brought some interesting points up there as well. I will add... Um, also that I think culturally there's there's a, an element of French culture of Paris and and the rest and that um, because Paris already has all the goodies and then tends to 
Parisians tend to flood everyone else uh, during vacation times. Uh, there is a, a, a sort of rivalry or resentment um, which uh, does contribute to people. No, I mean, I, I mean, I will add as well that PSG. I mean, PSG being unpopular is nothing new. They weren't exactly yeah, yeah, popular. I, they weren't yeah, exactly popular true. before the Qatari era. Absolutely. So it's, uh, Actually, I think something it's just, that people abroad fail to appreciate that for a long time PSG has not been a very much liked club in, in France, and Qatar definitely changed that a little bit, but you know, not for everyone. Yeah. It's it's as simple as what Mo said. PSG are not liked because Paris are not liked. In France, yeah. in general, it's just mm-hmm. it's just as simple as that. It's, it's, it's this yeah, is why yeah. most big uh, regional newspapers would uh, would would uh, would you know not be very supportive of us. And you know well, that's fair. You know, but fair. I think there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's it's fair enough. No, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But <laughs> I, I, that. Yeah, if you live in the country, you get that. Something I want to touch on with what what John said. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the fact that they, they there's there's excuses and it's sort of. There's something prepared, I feel that, you know, there's, I feel personally, there's a press release prepared in case, you know, the worst does happen in the next couple of weeks, they do go out at this stage as well, which is what Leonardo has been sort of trying to calm the waters, etc. This whole, you know, and everyone's looking and like, you guys have the resources, you know, there's absolutely no excuse. Um, Mm. You know, you've got, you've got players, the team, the manager that everyone dreams of, just go and, you know, just get the job done and not rely on distractions and other issues you know surrounding the club they they really have no leg to stand and honestly at a time when the rest of the league have financial issues etc well most of the rest of the league mm-hmm. have financial issues etc it's like you know you guys really dictate the conversation you know all the time and now you're in the you know the key part of the season don't sort of start looking for sympathy you know <laughs> you're not going to get sympathy <laughs> from teams who rely on 50 to 80 million euros a year um you know it's when, when, when you when you're on 500 600 they'll get the job done um and just you know serenely go and focus on the qualification i mean i and guess this yeah no. i mean i guess this is i mean i know you guys discussed it last week but this is this is another point of the whole leonardo thing is i don't actually really think he was looking for sympathy there anyway i mean at the end of the day leonardo mm is a much better sporting director than anybody who has come in his place since he left uh, the first time around. No question. And a good sporting director knows when to take the pressure off of the squad, off of the players, off of the coach. You know, and the fact that he sort of took the floor after the Leon match uh, in Tuchel's place, uh, you know, that, that was a, I believe that was a smart move on his part. It's, you know, what a good sporting director would do because he knows that it's the biggest match in the build-up to the Borussia Dortmund game. So all of the questions that night were going to be, especially after PSG had won, even though they did wobble a little bit in the second half, all the questions were going to be based on Dortmund and, you know, whether it was going to be a repeat of Barcelona or Real Madrid or Manchester United from the from the last couple of years. So I think it was it, it showed good leadership on his part to make himself the you know the focal point of uh, of, of of you know the for the press uh, at that moment. It was almost quite Mourinho of him, the old Mourinho. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it didn't in more friendly terms probably. But <laughs> uh huh. Well, anyways, PSG have a chance to, you know, win everyone's respect and, and maybe even love from, from the more resistant corners if they can pull something off in the long 
kind of th throughout the whole competition in, in Champions League. Uh, Jonathan Johnson, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot for having me on, guys. And I uh, hope to have you on soon again, I guess. Yeah, look forward to, to catching up and uh, hopefully we'll return to Paris uh, with PSG looking good for the second leg. For more uh, literature or things to read on uh, that match, you can have a look. There's an article on, on getfootballnewsfrance.com comparing the way Leonardo communicates to uh, Jean-Michel Olas, president of OL. There's also the article by Adam White and Eric Devon in The Guardian. Uh, title is PSG are better place than ever to satisfy European obsession. Um, I myself have a piece that should be coming out tomorrow, I think, on getfullnewsfrance.com about Leonardo and about uh, uh, Paris's obsession. I use the same word, I think, as um, as uh, Adam and Eric, uh, their obsession with the Champions League. Uh, I think I take a little different approach from 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 them, however. Um, right then, uh, the other European team playing, uh, the other Champions League team in France is Lyon. Uh, they're playing next week against Juventus. Uh, we'll have someone from UFC.com to talk about that one with us next week. Uh, Lyon, who drew 1-1 with Strasbourg on Sunday, the highlight of which was Marsal's near own goal again what a week he's had um almost scored an own goal from 60 meters away from his from his goal um but let's move forward i actually watched the uh, second half of that one what did you um, think uh you were bad they were really not uh, not very good um the only good player i thought was uh, kenny titi um who who was uh, yeah who was who was pretty good who actually didn't start? He had to. He was. Uh, he was. He replaced uh, Raphael after eight minutes. Raphael came off with a knock. Uh, Toko Kambi wasn't very good. Kone wasn't either. I mean, the, the whole the whole midfield. There's no real uh, cohesion. Dembele, who wasn't much fit, uh, came on after 60 minutes. And uh, uh, one one of the guys who uh, who really impressed me for Strasbourg was uh, Kenny Lala, who was absolutely everywhere. And uh, Strasbourg could have uh, could have won it in the end. It was a very, I mean, um, I haven't watched uh, uh, many Lyon games at home, but uh, the commentators did say that uh, most of those games were like that. They were quite drab and very nervy, and uh, the and there, there was, it was there, there aren't full houses in those types of games. I mean, Strasbourg isn't, I mean, you don't really expect it to be a full house against Strasbourg, but uh, it was, uh, there were quite a bit of empty seats and, um, and uh, yeah, quite a bit of booing mm -hmm. towards was in not not a great performance not a great watch and uh, Jiku did miss an open goal in the second half stoppage time oh, so Strasbourg could have won this um Bertrand Traoré scored his first goal of the season so that's been uh, a long time coming and uh I mean the goal from Strasbourg really made Lyon's defense defense look terrible I mean even the referee was tricked and thought he was offside because of how bad it all looked but um the goal was given to Zoe Lyon are 11th in the league uh, let's go on and talk about uh, next season's Champions League team, French representative, almost certainly now, Mo. Uh, it was a Sunday night fixture in Lille, Lille-Marseille, and uh, a 2-1 victory for OM. Yeah, um, a surprise victory, um, one would have it. Um, <laughs> the, the run goes on, 14 games now in Ligue 1, the, the most... Well, the most... Um, 
actors, well, current actor streak at the moment, um, one ahead of Paris, and now 11 points clear of Rennes. It was a amazing come-from-behind victory, considering how poor OM looked, not just in the first half yesterday, where they had one shot on target, uh, well, not even on target, one just one shot in 45 minutes, the lowest total for 18 months. But if you look at the um, the cup quarterfinal against Lyon and, and against Toulouse, uh, 10 days ago, you know, without Payet, they, there's just something, you know, lacking at OM. They've already got Tolvan out, Vendetta's playing with an injury. Um, you know, it's they feel very hamstrung. So when 1-0, um, where Lille have the, the best home record in Ligue 1, uh, early PSG, Ajax and Chelsea have won there in, in the year. Um, 1-0 and then having missed the penalty through Valentin Rongier, You'd be, be surprised in thinking, you know, Owen would actually go on to win that match. But when it, they did, um, Villas-Boas, with some amazing coaching and taking off, um, I can't remember who he took off of now, but Marley Aki came on as a 19-year-old who who really changed things quickly. He won the corner, which He, he took uh, Sakai off and moved yeah, Saar took, back. Exactly, yeah, exactly. So Saar back. Because um, Sakai, you know, he's not an attacking fullback, so... It, it, it made sense. And you brought on Ake, who, who had a hand in both goals. It was it was fantastic. He not only did he win the corner for Germain, who, who headed it in with the help of Reynildo. It was registered as an own goal in the end. And then a minute later, start, finished off a wonderful move that, from the kickoff, encompassed the whole team, mm. Balm and Bander. Um, and then he drove, you know, across the field to, to get the ball to Germain. And Germain, to his credit, um, delivered the fine assist for Benedetto's score. And at that point, Lille, who were almost faultless at home, were shell-shocked. You know, that that was prime time for sort of... I thought that Lille would sort of hit back, but they were absolutely shell-shocked. And Marseille actually sailed um, to the final whistle. Um, and what I personally enjoyed at the final whistle was the whole stadium, the whole Stade Pierre um cheering <laughs> what it sounded like. <laughs> at full time, um, which goes to show sort of the, the incredible reach that Marseille has. Um, it was it was superb, and it's a fantastic result because it really, you know, we, we for me personally, and I've, I've been on this podcast last year and 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 the year before quite a lot as well, uh, where people have made many comments in the media as well um, about Marseille's inability to beat the big teams, especially the big teams away from home, and again they've put you know, Lille to the wayside, and, you know, Lille are very, very formidable at home, um, and it's been a fantastic performance with such a thin squad, 11 wins and three defeats, in the, uh, three draws, sorry, in the last 14 league games, 11 points clear um, of Rennes, 12 clear of Lille, 14 of Monaco, 18 of Lyon, which is the most mm-hmm. it's been in since in the last well. 12, 12, 13 years at least. You know, Marseille finished in the horrible 2016 season, only finished 17 points behind Lyon um, after 38 games. So to be 18 clear of them after That's... 25 is is fantastic. And it's not even a vintage Marseille side by any means, by any stretch. Um, and I'm looking forward to in May, or if not before then, having a look through everyone's season predictions just to see where Marseille had, had been predicted to finish. I personally had them down as fifth, so... You can imagine um, my, my, my sheer surprise 
Um, but it's fantastic. AVB deserves a lot of credit. The players deserve a lot of credit for coming out of this difficult February period, having you know played Lille, Saniti, and Bordeaux away, Lyon as well in the cup. Um, you know, it's it's been very very difficult. So we're now moving on to a game a week till the end of the year. Um, for starting off with Nantes and Nîmes, two winnable games, and long may it continue because Lyon in particular. Um, still have Montpellier, Rennes, Lille to play. They still got us to play, um, well. and add add that to the derby. Juventus twice, Paris Saint Germain twice. You know the gap could the gap could get even bigger. So long may it continue. Uh, dear Lyon fans, I hope you're still with us next week when we talk about your team and that Mo hasn't chased you away <laughs> with those pointed remarks. Uh, what can you tell us about this Marley Ake? Well, he's, he's, he's been a fine player. I mean, he's only had um, bits and pieces, not even the, the, the main sort of talent, the main hope um, for, for the youth academy. And he's really largely in the squad early because Isaac Lihaji, um hmm. has been sort of put to one side after he failed to... Um, to sign a contract. Um, and Aki has only had crumbs, but he looked interesting against Toulouse. Uh, he looked interesting against Monaco in the Coupe de la Ligue um, in October. Um, and now, you know, Villas Boas has been giving him the last 10, 15 games of, of the league fixtures. But, you know, it was, it's, it's rare, rare that he's been put on with Marseille chasing the game and he really came to the fore yesterday. And it goes to show just, you know, First of all, how improved the Marseille Youth Academy is, but how deft um, Ake was in 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 you know dragging Marseille back into the game um, with his pace, with his ability. I mean, the move that he made for the second goal that led to Benedetto's strike well, was superb, and Villas-Boas takes great credit in coaching him through that, and obviously it puts Lihaji as having egg on his face because he's angling for a move, I think, to Lille or to Arsenal or, or wherever he will go. But he could have had, Lihaji could have been a very important part of Marseille. I think he could have played several games. But with Tovan coming back, hopefully at the end of the month, beginning of March, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see Ake play a bit more, um, that we're not sort of suffering with a makeshift front three. Um, but he, he, a great start for him, and I look forward to how he develops over the next couple of months. All right. Uh, right, shall we move on to the following match? Uh, do we want to go to Monaco or to uh, Reims? I'll leave the choice up to you guys. Monaco sounds good. Monaco sounds good. 1-0 win for Monaco over Montpellier with Islam Slimani, the goal scorer, Philippe. It's a good thing they have him back, huh? Uh, yes, yes, very um very important um win for you know I'm sorry um who uh it's now three no no it isn't is it uh yes it is it is three wins three wins yeah. in a row so Monaco are now back at uh in fifth they actually leap from um is uh mm-hmm. what uh, what was said to be uh their most impressive performance since uh, since Moreno came uh, uh, came in uh, the manager's hot seat. I mean, it, did, it really didn't start very well for him. Well, it started great, actually, for him. 
was that draw at uh, the Parkby Pass, a very, uh, very entertaining match. Then, um, then uh, the home game against PSG didn't go too well. But since then, it seems to have uh, to have turned around. I mean, even lost uh, to to Nîmes, which actually everybody seems to lose to Nîmes uh, these days. And uh, now it's uh, three wins. Uh, it's now it's three wins on the bounce. So, you know, good, uh, good on him. I, I personally thought that uh, he had he would have had, uh, lots of trouble actually beating sides who would play defensive like Mopudi. I mean, Mopudi, we uh, we all know they're very very hard to beat. But uh, yeah, it seems to have turned things around and you know could uh, could be uh, could be a potential um, uh, contender for third place. And yeah, we I look about the end now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, three points. Yes, three points clear of Monaco, which is not a lot with 13 games to go. Uh, let's talk about uh, Ren in just a second. I was just going to say that Moreno was, for some reason, wearing an orange armband on top of his kind of black or dark leather jacket, which is the exact look of any cop in in kind of civilian clothes in French movies. Um, it was quite. Surreal seeing that on 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 TV. I don't know why he was wearing that armband. Um, it, it was just a little funny. Uh, right, as you say, Rennes are just uh, three points ahead of Monaco, one point ahead of Lille. Uh, they lost to Reims on Sunday, a one-nil uh, win for for Reims. Uh, Mo Elbilatore has uh, you know he has some style in in penalties, and he's only 18. Yeah, indeed. Um, eventually got the winner. Um, other than that, I thought it was a very dreary game, but that's what you're going to get with Rams, who exactly can. It's been a particularly, I think, you know, they've got a relatively uh, decent defence. I think they don't concede a lot of goals at home. Um, and it's good for, for them to get, you know, a, a, another big win at home after their recent good performances against Saint-Étienne and Lyon before Christmas and um, and you know, get Lille and Paris as well. Have also come to Auguste Dulon and failed. Um, so Ren perhaps should have been a bit better um, in sort of foregoing this trap, especially given their recent records. But they've only won actually one of the last five games since uh, league games. That is since since Marseille beat them. Um, but you know, I mean, given the fact that they came off a cup game on. Um, I believe it was Wednesday, I'd like to say, or Tuesday, um, for 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 Ren. Um, yeah, um, they yeah, for, last yeah, week, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, on Tuesday, yeah. Um, you know, I don't really see a lot in Siabatu. I don't really see why Mbanyan could start the game, and the fact that they maybe rested one or two players. Um, but also, given the season they've had, I think it perhaps was more necessary. But you know, it was a, it was a dreary game played on very very little margins. Um, and at the end, the penalty decided the game. But even though the game might have been narrow, it really puts um, Rennes' championship aspirations in hot water. Considering Monaco have now stabilised, you know, Lille before before last night, you know, were, were on the good routes. Montpellier really is, is anyone's choice, and and Lyon still feel that they could um, pose a few questions, even though they're seven points now behind Rennes. Um, and Ren, you know, obviously they've had boardroom issues. They really did want to at least keep the pace with Marseille, so that they too could keep a gap between the rest. And the, you know, they've, you know, they've they've lost to a direct competitor. They've lost away again. They they drew to Brest. Um, 
yeah, they've they've really shot themselves in the foot recently. Um, and considering they're not the most stable club at the moment, um, with no with no direction above the manager at the moment, um, it's it's a challenging time. So obviously they will now go to Lehman to lose and hopefully stabilize before that all important semi final. Um, elsewhere, uh, there was a lot of goals in Brest as they went 3-0 up to Saint-Étienne and then conceded two. That was the final score. So and more misery piling on to Saint-Étienne, who are just two points ahead of the relegation zone at the moment. Uh, Nîmes beat Angers 1-0. Moussakoni with the goal there. I mean, it was pretty much an accident the way he scored that. Um, it came off his knee and it was pretty. it was a very lucky finish. Uh, but an important three points for Nîmes, who have four wins in a row, um, and they're now one point ahead of the relegation zone. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Can we can we all uh, put uh, Toulouse in League Two now? Or oh, it's it's over. <laughs> uh, Toulouse, yeah, they were with nine men, one nil down to Nice. They got an extra, uh, a, uh, sorry, a penalty in extra time, I believe, which. Aaron Lea Iseka, the brother of Michi Bachoy, missed. Uh, and then Nice went on to score a second goal. Uh, a great goal from Christophe Herrel. He looked like a like a striker um, scoring that run run from deep and so on. Um, I mean, Nice looked kind of silly too because they almost didn't beat a nine-man team. But uh, they got they got three points in the end. It was, it was something that really pissed Vieira off. Yeah. Um. In in the press conference afterwards, um, because obviously you know once first of all Toulouse have been very very poor discipline, discipline wise, especially Morera. Mm-hmm. Um. But but Nice really should have finished them off, considering their decent performance against Lyon. You think that once, you know, laid like a smile on them, and and that they've got the numerical advantage and they would impose. And it took some time. They got there in the end, but Vieira was not happy at all. Yeah, which which you can. To be Understand. fair, I mean the, the, the other side in in that bottom two, so, so the bottom two do go uh, do get automatically relegated. I I don't see Amiens uh, turning things around despite this very very good performance against PSG, I mean, given how badly yes. they defend set pieces. I mean they are now five points behind Dijon, who are a good side, and uh, they've got a terrible goal difference, the second worst goal difference of the league. And Dijon have a, I mean, almost a, a point more than Amiens, uh, given given the difference in goal difference. And you know, five points does look like a lot of a lot to ask for 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 a side who can't can't defend set pieces, which is a big problem in 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 Ligue 1. Yeah, something I wanted to say about Amiens earlier, actually, when we were talking about that PSG match, is that what we saw. I mean, I've been thinking the whole season that they have some. A pretty good squad. They have a lot of, of good attacking players, especially in my opinion. And we saw that against Paris, you know, scoring those four goals. Um, there really was something there. Mm. But they're just, I mean, when you concede three goals on corners and and fail to win when you're 3-0 up, even against PSG, and it's just a kind of disastrous situation just, that they can't I just win. can't see this happening to any other side in Ligue 1 except Toulouse. Yeah. I think I think <laughs> most most sides wouldn't wouldn't have have dropped points. I think most sides would have won that game. Mm. So but, um, um, yeah, well, I'm sorry if there are any Amiens fans listening, but uh, I think 
you know, if you if you if you can't defend your set pieces, you can't. I don't think you can stay in Liga. To be fair, mm. yeah. there's still some some. It's still quite exciting about that uh, that uh, playoff spot because you've got Angers who lost four games under Trot, Metz in there, Saint Etienne in there, Nîmes of course. Although if Nîmes continues their winning spree, they're, they're going to probably end up in Europe more than anything else. And, mm. and uh, no, it, it is going to be exciting, but to, to me, Dijon are quality side, and and they they had the they had the, um, a bad run, but uh, to me, they're a quality side that shouldn't finish in that playoff spot. It could so be Dijon. Dijon drew with Bordeaux two all with a, a brace from Munir Chouillard, who mm. uh, um, is kind of one of the breakout stars from Dijon this season, and the final match was Nantes Metz a nil nil. In Ligue 2, leaders Lorient fell at Clermont 1-0, but they're still in first place. Um, there's another 1-0 win for Paris FC against Le Havre, with Jeremy Menez scoring his fourth goal uh, since arriving there about a month ago. Ajaccio won 3-0 against Orléans, and the uh, striking moment from this one was uh, Gaëtan Courté scoring a 50-meter goal. Uh, very nice. Um, and uh, Valenciennes also came back from 2-0 down to beat so sure, but Philippe, apparently the most interesting lower league match this weekend was in the fourth division, Sedan Bastia. Yeah, it wasn't very good. Why well, don't know? There were no goals, but there were um, no goals. But yeah, it was on paper. It was uh, it was massive because uh, you have Sedan who are. Uh, a club that played in Liga a couple of years, well, probably uh, maybe 15 years ago, and that's being uh, <laughs> that's being kind. Uh, who are now in Division Four, and uh, so uh, the way Division Four is organised, you've got four. It's regionalised basically. Uh, so Sedan are in the same uh, region as Bastia uh, in Corsica, uh, which, which actually make is. Sense. Well, actually, it does actually it does make sense oh. if if you if you look at it from a logistically oh. logistical point of view is that actually the, the Corsicans uh, basically take the plane to Paris for every away game, which is uh, which is almost less which is less expensive than taking the boat and then taking the train, etc., etc., etc. So there, there is there, this is something actually I actually learned um, quite quite recently. This is why Corsican sides play in Paris every every weekend, <laughs> which is you know the, the, we shall call it the fun fight of the of the evening. Uh, anyways, the game was soured also by violence in Sudan. Uh, you have Sudan as a friend club with a, a, Holland, a club in Holland called FC Utrecht, and uh, there was a, quite a bit of fighting. There's videos on Twitter if you if you want to see them. Um, and about the game finishing on nil, but the two clubs are really at loggerheads at the top of the table. There's only five goals separating them, and so it's going to be very very exciting to see who goes up to the third division. Mm. Don't think ever thought I'd say this, but uh, yeah, it's, it's probably, it's probably yeah, the, the, the most uh, uh, contested uh, league battle we'll have um, this season. Well, I mean, some of the fourth division kind of regional leagues and even lower than that are really, really tight. Um, mm. And it's happened. I mean, I've been following FC Annecy who, who play in the stadium. Ah. I mean, that's where Evian used to play and, and they're in fourth division as well. And They've been within, you know, a couple of points for several years now of promotion. Every time it's been so tight, and now they're they're also first um, in their region this year at the moment. Um, 
In the on the women's side of things, it was Coupe de France quarterfinals this weekend. PSG Lyon, Guingamp, and Bordeaux have all advanced to the semis with uh, Bordeaux beating Montpellier in a penalty shootout. Um, let's turn now to our segment on potential uh, internationals for well, potential selected players for France over the next few months and at the Euro. A little update uh, on Giroud, who we've talked about a lot in the last few weeks. Um, if you went to the L'Equipe website just a few minutes ago, at the just before the end of Chelsea Manchester United, the headline was Giroud almost scored, um, which <laughs> sounds like a quote from from Rudy Garcia, but it's uh, actually uh, that everyone's very excited to have seen him play for what was it, guys? About 20 minutes. Yeah, something like that. Minutes. Yeah, um, <laughs> it was a very it was a very French match uh, at Stamford Bridge this evening. Um, Marcel yes. scored the opening goal. Uh, Zuma scored, but it was disallowed because a, uh, a Chelsea player pushed a United player before Zuma could make contact with the ball, um, which is which was probably a correct decision. And Giroud's goal is actually one of those ridiculously close offside positions. Oh, uh, right. And uh, um, and I think I think no, that, that's it. Uh, so and then Maguire scored. So basically, United scored two goals. Uh, Chelsea scored two goals. Uh, but uh, but uh, both Chelsea goals were uh, disallowed. Now um, we were we were going to why? talk about yeah we were going to talk about Martial, but let me just ask uh, Zuma has been in the latest squads, hasn't he? I think um, he didn't start. I'm trying to find that. No, he I don't think he's start. played much. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, look up. If he has lately, but I don't think so. Because he certainly has a chance, doesn't he? The four are Longley and Varane are yeah. for sure. Kimpembe. Oh yeah, he's uh, yeah twenty. Before tonight, it was he had twenty games and eighteen starts. So yeah, he looks like uh, like someone Lampard trusts. Hmm. Yeah, I would think so. This but this was his first game since Brighton on New Year's Day. Oh. Um, so I would say he was coming back from injury of some of some sort, and the I think he came on in somewhere in the second half, probably early in the, in the second half because his goal was his goal was scored uh, on the hour mark, something like that. So yeah, yeah, he's uh, yeah he he seems to be he seems to be um, titular indiscutable as we say. Yeah, and he was actually I'm just looking here. He was in the he came in at half time. Who plays Christensen? He was in the national team squad for all of 2019, even though he only made two appearances against Bolivia and Andorra. So not the biggest matches, but no. um, he, he's got a chance um, with Mtiti out. Uh, right then, so Martial scored. Uh, what do we think are Martial's chances for the summer? Uh, given that he missed the World Cup, didn't he? Um, but his kind of breakout moment with the national team had been the previous Euro in 2016. It's hard to say. I mean, I think, you know, things like tonight will not harm his chances, particularly given the, mm-hmm. the number of players or sort of opportunities that, that is going to come up in the, in the national selection because of, um, you know, because of the um, injuries to Dembele, you know, Coleman not doing so well and, 
you know, there might be even an opportunity for, for, for you know, up front because Giroud um, is still a 50 50. Um, he's done well. He scored 12 goals this season, um, I think 13, I think, if you count tonight. Um, so it, it, it's difficult because I'd like to say, and based on his current form, I think you can make the the um, the, the argument that yeah, he should he should um, be called up, and I think March, the squad that's going to be released in about a month's time, um, will go a long way to confirming who's going to the Euros and who isn't. That being said, you know Deschamps has not really given them a look in. Um, he's not really mm. you know, delivered for France over the last couple of years, even though he's been absolutely fit in, at Manchester. Well, his last his last call up is actually was actually. Uh, remember those matches against Colombia and Russia yeah, before exactly. the World Cup in March? Yeah. Um, those were good. Well, yeah, exactly. except for so, losing against Colombia, but. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. He. Yeah. Um, I mean, it really depends on who's how many people are fit or not in those positions. So obviously, we have our Dembele is out. Tovin is. Very unlikely, I would imagine, even if he comes back. Um, and is is Coman has Coman been fit in the last few weeks? Yeah, he scored um, behind the uh, one at at Köln for one, and Coman uh, scored once. That's interesting. interesting. Yeah, interesting. I I would say it's still early days to talk about talk about that because we've still got loads of players who could go out injured and uh, and uh, the closer we get to the tournament the closer they're liable to miss yeah. miss the tournament we already have Dembele and uh, and you said Umtiti's out as well well yeah yeah he's he's in trouble and actually N'Golo Kante also came off injured um, yeah, tonight that's true. But the, I don't think I don't think it's that but I don't think it's huh. Dembele bad it's, uh, yeah, it's yeah. probably eight, a month bad or something like that it does seem to be like his size, uh, adducteur. So I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, adducteur uh, is, is hamstring, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, lots of uh, lots to watch out for in that match, I guess, for for Deschamps and, and his men. Um, the other interesting match for this weekend actually was in Marseille-Lille, um, Mo, because Mondana and, and Mike Mignon were both very good, weren't they? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's one sort of area of the field that Deschamps will be, um, you know, quite happy with. Obviously, after Lloris, you've got two goalkeepers who mm-hmm. who are playing really, really well, and particularly Mondanda, who's at 34, is is probably the best goalkeeper in Liga this season. Um, so. <laughs> The 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 I yeah the sort of um, the the quality of, of of the three of them put together will be very very good and I guess in the in the friendlies um, you've got three high level goalkeepers who are able to to perform um, and then you know we can look forward to 2022 and and beyond in finding the next um, sort of cohort um, Manuel will probably be best place to succeed both well, definitely Mondanda, I don't know if Reis will stick around for one more tournament, I think this will be the swan song for Mondanda um, yeah. Mania is going to be you know, probably the best place to be in number one uh, for France because Ariola has lost out Costille has not really improved Larsenault is, is, is still too raw 
Um, so and and after and beyond that, you know, France don't have a lot of fantastic goalkeepers um, of international level. Um, so so this is a perfect time mm. for 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 Maignan to really stake his claim, and he was he was superb last night. So yeah, um, we'll see how that goes over the next couple of months. Although although Costil and and Lecomte have both had call-ups too, so I guess we have good replacements. And Areola, of course. Um, yeah, um, I mean they you know, do. He's not I playing mean, much, but exactly <laughs> call-ups. But but yeah, but, yeah. You know, Again, how. But I mean, say, say, it doesn't really say matter Lloris, who the fifth yeah. goalkeeper is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, say say Lloris was injured, like still injured, and Mondonda wasn't on form because. This time last year, there was probably no way Mondon was going to break into the Euro squad. That is true. Yeah. Um, then who who would be able to come on? Who would be able to play Portugal um, and, and Germany? Who would be able to play the qualifiers and, and competitive games? Because, you know, it's testament to how France has been that good that Lloris and Mondon have, have had a near monopoly um, on the goalkeeping situation for France for, for more than 10 years. Mm. Um, and, you know, they're not getting any younger, particularly Mondon's time was soon coming to an end. And then who's next? Um, very few of them, of the others, apart from Ariola, have played top-tier Champions League football. Ariola's career stagnated at Real Madrid at the moment. It was a very poor decision. Who are the next players that can come up and really uh, take the helm? Um, so while this is a situation that's settled at the moment, it may not be you know, in a year or 18 months' time. Mm, that's fair enough. Um, and that brings us uh, for a close... Uh, to a close for today at the previous show we'll be back on friday morning as usual and we are back next week talking about uh, Lyon juventus the other champions league match uh thank you philippe thank you and thanks mo thank you and uh we'll talk to you next week you can follow at gffn on twitter or have a look at getfootballnewsfrance.com for more content as usual thank you for listening